welcome to the Angry Sun Zone. I'm Matt, and today I am joined by Santo. How you doing? And Alex. Hello, everyone. And today we're going to be talking about what we've been playing, along with what makes a good or bad game title. Um, now, as, as you know, the Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard trial has been going on. Oh no, where? Um, where is this going? <laughs> but those, that's not the kind of trial we're here to talk about. Santo, what have you been playing? I've been playing a game that is very much focused on trials, but not trials of the current event variety. No, we're talking about trials all the way in the past. Uh, I played through The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, uh, which is a re-release of the first, well, the only two Great Ace Attorney games that were released for 3DS. Uh, they were released as a package on Switch, maybe some other platforms, I have no idea. But I love the Ace Attorney game, so figured I'd give this one a shot. And overall, I think that it's it's a pretty good game, though it's a bit of a slow start. For those of you who have not played the Ace Attorney games before, this was a game that, when I first heard about the premise, I completely dismissed it. Because who wants to play a game where your protagonist is a lawyer? That doesn't sound like the most entertaining game, really. But turns out Ace Attorney games are full of amazing writing, really hilarious uh, character names, and crazy twists, and some of the most... It defines the term kangaroo court. Yeah. Like, Ace Attorney is a series that makes the law fun. Absolutely. Know? Like, it, and it's completely... It's complete bullshit. If you tried to pull this stuff in real court, you would be kicked out and disbarred immediately. And you know what? That's like the modern games. Yeah, you get kicked out and disbarred. But this game, like, the consequences are potentially way more dire because this game takes place in turn of the 20th century, like 1900s. So that's like the biggest pull for these games and the most interesting thing about these games i think is because the setting is like you know industrial revolutionists uh like certain like csi forensic practices haven't been invented yet or widely adopted yet so you get cases that yeah if they had you know the ability to get really accurate fingerprints or test uh, characters' blood to determine if it's one person's blood or another person's blood. Or even things like ballistic markings, which the Ace Attorney games have made a big deal of in the past. Like, you know, the fingerprints of a bullet or whatever. Like, these things just aren't there. So you get some, like, more interesting cases where things that would be easily provable in the modern games, like, they can be thrown in as red herrings here and you have to actually like try to argue your way out of them out of these situations so i think that the setting is like really really interesting for the game and really like that's i think the thing that shines the most uh another great thing about the setting is that it allows the game to be as racist and sexist as possible <laughs> era appropriate discrimination going on in this game like there's oh japan I'm, hey, not only Japan, all right? Like, Japan, 
No, I mean, a, I mean, only a Japanese developer would just like throw that in. I mean, well, it's kind of not partially not what you think it is because your main character, his name is uh, Ryunosuke, he is just a student at some academy and kind of gets like pushed into being a lawyer uh, and self-defending himself in the first case because it's not a f- Ace Attorney game if one of the main characters isn't put on trial. Never so, represent yourself. Well, this this time it goes well for him. He has a natural talent for lawyering, and so he stows away on a ship with his best pal to merry old England <laughs> to practice to uh, accompany his friend while his friend goes to practice law as like a traveling student. And when they get to London, like there's a lot of people who really don't like. Uh, the Japanese. So it's not, so it's like a lot of like back and forth kind of. And on this steamship, of course, a murder happens. Yeah. And we're introduced to Listen, a fantastic character. It was 1900s era, uh, you know, like you gotta have either a murder on the steamship or a murder on the train. Or like mm-hmm. maybe, maybe a murder on not just an airplane, an airliner. <laughs> could be an old school, like Casablanca style twin prop, or it could be a blimp. Those are your options. <laughs> it could also be a mansion isolated on an island. Yep, absolutely. But no, we're, on, we're taking the steamship trope on this one. And in the cutscene that introduces the case, we're introduced to, yes, the, the best character in the game. Now think to yourself, what kind of character might appear in a turn-of-the-century Industrial Revolution-era detective-ish game set in London? That's right. Jack the Ripper. No, but somebody closely related. Herlock Sholmes. Herlock Sholmes. Not Sherlock Holmes. Herlock Sholmes. They did this to get around weird copyright stuff, despite See, that should be in the public domain. Yeah, I was going to say, Sherlock Holmes should be in the public domain. But, I don't know. In Japan, he's actually called Sherlock Holmes, but for the North American release, Herlock Sholmes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's because the, the copyright law isn't even a thing in Japan. <laughs> well, yeah, like foreign foreign copyright law like is weird. I mean, it definitely is, but... So Herlock Sholmes is introduced as super competent. He's like got all these crazy gadgets, and they like got this visor that like sees like infrared, almost like weird like colored lenses to discover like handprints and stuff like that. Discovers a person hiding in a in a wardrobe, despite the fact that nobody else knew that they were there. And it's just like, oh shit, this guy's like, it's actually you know Sherlock Holmes, except Herlock Sholmes. Then you find out he is absolutely, positively, utterly incompetent. <laughs> like, one of the main things in this game is Herlock Sholmes' great deductions, where he views a scene and then deduces, okay, what happened here? And they're always wrong, and you have to step in and correct him by pointing out very obvious things in the environment. 
So it's this it's pretty fun dynamic where you've got this like kind of fish out of water character in Ryunosuke in this foreign land, like kind of practicing law even though he didn't want to. And then we have a world renowned great detective who doesn't know his ass from his elbow most of the time. I'm kind of disappointed the player character isn't named uh, Juan Jotson. Juan Jotson? No, see, the, Herlock Sholmes does have an assistant of sorts, John Wilson. <laughs> and, but, uh, you, you see him a little bit, but, uh, later you find out who the real John Wilson is, which is, of course, a ten-year-old girl. This yep. this is an Ace Attorney game. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's a bunch of different, like, kooky-ass, hilarious, and sometimes extremely stereotypical characters. Uh, all the dialogue is very delightfully British. <laughs> Literally, some, somebody says core blimey at one point. Uh... Yeah, I I definitely recommend it if you're a fan of the Ace Attorney games, and even if you're not and just want to ju- in a jumping in point, like this is a completely different setting, has no, has like a couple like kind of fun Easter eggs to the other games, but no really overt references. Uh, so if you're looking for you know a cool fun adventure game, give it a look. I recently started Apollo Justice again, so I'm, I'm working my way there. <laughs> You're working your way through the game chronologically via release date, not via time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which means next would be uh, investigations. I suppose, yeah. Uh, oh, and one character that I forgot to mention is, of course, it, you got to talk about the prosecutor. Yeah. Uh, and in this game, it's Lord Barak von Zex. And he is... Here's the thing. In a lot of the Ace Attorney games, the prosecutors are caricature. They they have no business being in the courtroom as well as all the other... All of the witnesses and, and the judge and the lawyers. Nobody has business being in this courtroom, usually. But this guy, like, he is super competent and, like, super terrifying. Like... He's like the most, he gives like the most threatening aura of any of the prosecutors in any of the games, really. Even more than Von Karma? Uh, definitely more than Francisca. Maybe not as much as Manfred. (laughs) Uh, but like, he only has one real, like, eccentricity about him, and that's that he's Dracula from Symphony of the Night. What? (laughs) Well, he just, he constantly throws around wine glasses and wine (laughs) bottles. But that's about it. And, yeah, he is, like, downright terrifying at at times. Just like, oh shit, like, this guy is, like, absolutely, positively going to get a guilty verdict. Um, Actually, speaking of verdicts, uh, this game finally has a jury. Oh. (laughs) And naturally, none of the jurors should be there either. (laughs) (laughs) And... Yeah, they're extremely easily swayed in both directions, <laughs> based on whatever the latest fact that was revealed are, of course. So if the, you know, the judge was already a little bit of a peanut gallery uh, in the previous Ace Attorney games, but so now we've got a full-on peanut gallery. Absolutely. And 
there's parts in the trial where like the the jury will say like no we we're we got a verdict guilty and then you have to convince them otherwise by pitting the jurors against each other like them having contradictory statements to try and change their minds so it's a nice like kind of change of pace from just like uh interviewing witnesses and dealing with weird autopsy autopsy reports yeah which that's another thing that is like weird turn of the century stuff in, in the first case because it takes place in Japan, they haven't adopted autopsy reports yet. So all you get is a post-mortem report, which is basically the investigator that found the body, saying the state of the body and saying, like, yep, that's they it. Died. Yep, they died. He died. <laughs> There's a bullet wound here. Clearly that's the cause of death. Couldn't be anything else. Nothing possible in the world. So yeah, that's The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Sounds like another great installment in the Ace Attorney series. Yeah, it's, I mean, the Ace Attorney series is, for the most part, incredibly consistent. There's only one game that I didn't really like, and that was Spirit of Justice. I can get to that another day. Is that five or six? That is six. Okay. Alright, so, yeah, that's that's pretty much the only game I've played in any, like, large capacity. But, speaking of games with large capacity, (laughs) Matt, you've been playing, continuing to play Elden Ring. And finally finished. Yes, and the hour count was how much? I believe it was 144 in-game, 153 in Steam, it said. Oh boy. (laughs) Um, No, I did not spend nine hours in the character creator. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that is a meaty game. Um, There is, is... It's a huge open world. There's... Lots to, uh, there's lots to, uh, do. Um, optional bosses, uh, side dungeons, um, which are just scattered throughout. Um, it, it's a great open world, I have to say, and it's not, it's not like other open worlds where, oh, go take over this base. <laughs> go to Icon. <laughs> uh, and, and that's another thing, you're not given any direction, you can just, you can go anywhere. You can just accidentally stumble into an area that's way too high-leveled for you. Um, in fact, there's this one... In the early game area, there's this one chest. You open it, and some fog comes out, just surrounding you, if you oh, don't no. roll away fast enough. And it just it teleports you. And it teleports you to a cave in an area that... if if you're discovering that chest early game, that area is now way too high for you where you get teleported to. <laughs> it was a matter of run and get out of there. Huh. You've uh, heard of a fog door. This was a fog chest. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, uh, great open world. Worked, I, I found it worked really well with uh, the, the souls mentality and just being able to accidentally stumble on stuff that's way too high level for you. Yeah, like... From what I've heard about this game, it's an open world game that actually rewards exploring. Yeah, most open world games don't. <laughs> and uh, all all the uh, side dungeons do give you a reward. It might not be something that's useful to, for the build you're going for, but every everyone rewards you with something. Um, and there's so many different playstyles you can go go with because there's such a multitude of weapons and spells. I This is my first time I went with a 
um, well, having played through Dark Souls 1, 3, and Bloodborne prior, um, this is my first time actually going with a build that used sorceries. Because mm -hmm. in Dark Souls 1, 3, I was pretty much just sword and board, just shield, sword, tank hits, deal back big damage. Um, so, sorceries are kind of cheating. <laughs> yes, they are. As some, I played through Dark Souls 1, uh, going with pyromancy as well, because you didn't need to put any stats into stuff except for attunement to use pyro pyromancy. You didn't have to have a lot, a lot of magic or uh, faith. You just had to have money. Or, well, souls, I suppose. Huh. And yeah, that game, that felt like cheating. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I ended the game with 70 in my intelligence stat. Oh, wow. Um, there were a couple bosses. Or there, there's one spell that's just... Uh, you stand there, and there's a little bit of startup on it, but you basically just fire a huge beam. <laughs> you can't you can't move it around, so like you got to be right on when you uh, when you cast it, um, and they it just shreds. Um, and it'll uh, use hyper beam, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, and it'll just your m or your FP will just keep draining as you're using it. But there's a a new type of flask in this that allows you to mix little... Uh, you can choose two little modifiers in, and you only get one of this flask per uh, rest at a side of grace. And so I had one that increases damage of sorceries on it, I, I believe, and the other one was for a short period uh, my FP doesn't get consumed. Oh. <laughs> Yep. So I would just I would start by laying down a little spell on the ground that just if you're standing in it it boosts your sorceries. Then I would drink the flask and then I would just fire the big beam. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a couple bosses I just shredded like that, but nice. I didn't mind because going into one thing I didn't like about this game they were bosses I had fought multiple times before that just kept getting reused. Really? Yes. Hmm. Um, in, in like the side dungeons, you you get a, you see a lot of the same uh, optional, say a lot of the same boss types used over and over again. Hmm. So it just gets kind of tiring fighting them. Uh, so late game, whenever I saw like a boss that I've fought a bunch before, I was just like, I just want to get this done with and just kill them. <laughs> Right. Um, but there's there's also a lot of enemy reuse in these bosses. Too. Some of these bosses can just show up as normal enemy types, mm -hmm. but they're not balanced as a normal enemy type. They can still deal just as much damage as a boss. The only difference is they don't have a boss health bar. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they did that in Dark Souls. And yeah. That's, that's a trope that I usually like in games where a boss shows up as a regular yeah. enemy later. But and, then, and then it, feel, it just feels so satisfying to just dunk on them. It's like, ha, this was yeah. a boss that I might have had trouble with earlier. Well, now I'm like 20 levels higher and fuck you. Yeah, I, I'd say Dark Souls did a little better with the Capra Demon. Mm. But then again, the area the Capra Demon showed up in was probably the worst area of that game with how much copy-paste there was. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, an another issue I had is, is damage scaling. Mm -hmm. Um so at the start of the game, some of those bosses can two-hit you. Right. Which, that's fine, but it feels like as you level up and you pump 
more uh, more levels into your vigor. Um, it feels like you're really only pumping it in to keep up, to just keep keep the norm. So that way, you still just continue to get two shot instead of one shot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, it's a little wonky there. I I think uh, damage scaling could be tuned turned down just a little bit on the enemies, um, especially when there's the optional super boss who has uh, their their phase two. The the first move they do in phase two can kill you from full health. At least from where I was at full health there, and they also have a string, a, a combo string that um, um, if you don't roll into it just right, uh, you're basically dead. Yeah. Um. But but it, I I I still mostly enjoyed the game whenever I was fighting uh like new enemy types that I hadn't fought before. Um. And actually, probably the, by the end of that game, I didn't want to see another dragon. Oh, <laughs> dragons are probably the worst. Effect. They they caught. There are so many dragon bosses, um, and for the most part, they fight the same. Some of them have like unique moves. Plus, uh, plus George R. R. Martin had to contribute something. <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, guys, but, guys, I'm really feeling dragons here. <laughs> Yeah, it's the dragon game. Dragons were just by the end of it. I didn't want to see another one. <laughs> uh, but th there is a new uh, thing in here that wasn't in previous Souls games that I like, and they're called Spirit Ashes. Um, they consume FP to use, but they summon a uh, enemy, a, a, an enemy type to fight to fight alongside you. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and some of them will actually summon multiple. Um, but my go-to was, and it seems to be a lot of people's go-to, is the Mimic tier. Because it just summons a copy of you, and who better to help you but yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, this game probably has the best NPC in uh, a Souls game. Okay. Um, there is a giant turtle with a Pope hat. Oh my god. <laughs> Space Pope! <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's yeah, that's close to the space pope from Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and this NPC is probably the closest it gets to just telling you, actually telling you about some of the characters. <laughs> like, probably gives you the most the most exposition or something, or uh, gives you like the most. Uh, it, it doesn't. It tells you about it, the turtle pope will tell you about some char certain characters, and it's not in like a roundabout way. They actually okay. tell you stuff. Okay, it's, so they're actually direct, which is yeah. a first in a Souls game. Yeah, because <laughs> um, I, I I still don't entirely know the story because I I didn't read every item description. <laughs> that that is one flaw. I, 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 well, I guess a continuing flaw of the Souls series. And just, I mean, I don't know if that's a. Awesome. It's, it's that's, intentional. That's a choice. It, it's a, right? it's, it's a, an intentional choice. Yeah, and it, it can be an intentional choice and still be flawed. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's fair. There's a lot of intentional choice that goes into microtransaction systems. <laughs> that doesn't make them not flawed. Yeah. Uh, how many tries did the final boss take? Ooh. I wasn't counting, but... Okay, so more than one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you have to think about it, and you're not sure. 
I want to say so. more than 30. Holy moly. Wow. It was, it was a decent amount of time. I, uh, I gave up on, it was like five in the morning. <laughs> and when it's that seems to be when you do your best work. <laughs> uh, yes, the uh, the perfect game in Weeble. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, no. At that point, I'd basically been playing all day because, like, I was near the end and I just wanted to get the game finished. So I just uh, I just slept on it and just finished it off when I got up the next day. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic classic gamer tip. There, just sleep on it. Yeah. I mean, it's just a life advice, man. It really is life advice. Yeah. I mean, I've had a couple times where, like, I'm having trouble on a boss. I put it down, come back to it a day or a couple days later, and first try. Yeah. <laughs> this wasn't a first try case, but uh, it, it, it did go a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sleep on it. It's not, it's not only great life advice. That can also be a great strategy when you're playing Jigglypuff and Smash. Just sleep on them. Just sleep on them. <laughs> I I know I know I, I always try it. Just, I'm just, not good at it, but all every time we play, I'll always make sure I get a Jigglypuff match in there to see if I can get some of that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you know, just just have a rest. Yeah. But yeah, that that's about it for Elden Ring. Um, I I thought it was a great game. Um, it's probably going to win a lot of Game of the Year awards. Oh but, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. The year's far from over. The press adores this game. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, the game was just super, super hyped, and it lived up. Yeah. And that has not been the case recently for a lot of hyped games. And I can't really think of anything else that's come out this year or is slated to come out this year that can really, like, challenge that in terms of just, like, a big prestige game. Like, Breath of the Wild 2 isn't coming out this year. No. That's been pushed. Uh... I have no idea when, like, the new God of War or anything is coming out. I have no idea what Sony's doing, because I haven't been paying attention because I don't have a PS5. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> and Horizon launched near it and kind of just got overshadowed by it. And the same thing happened with the first with uh, Breath of the Wild. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, Elden Ring. Yeah, actually, there is one other thing I want. I did play the PC, the PC version. Um, right. There were a few issues with it. Um, the biggest one I had is um, just not frame drops, but uh, micro freezes. Yeah, that I've heard that happening quite a bit. Yeah, um, I, I quite a few. Usually, it would mostly start. When I start up the game, like, for a little bit, I'd get some micro-freezes. But after playing for a bit, it would seem to smooth out and I wouldn't have any issues. But, um, yeah, I finished the game before before a performance patch came out, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, although, although um, I was glad that the patch that came out right before I finished the game uh, did... Uh, Buff my weapon of choice, the uh, Dark Moon Greatsword. <laughs> Balance changes in a mostly single player game are kind of weird. I know there's a multiplayer component to all the Souls games, but still. <laughs> yeah, that and it was a big uh, change log for, and it was like all buffs. Those are the those are my favorite kind of balance changes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just like, you know, let's buff everything yeah. <laughs> to get in line. Yeah, you know, oh, you know, this 
this weapon this weapon's a bit weak, buff it. This enemy, you know, taken out too easily, buff the enemy. Mm-hmm. Just I have a, buffs. Buffs all around. I have a friend who was happy with the uh, Destructo Disc buff. Destructo Disc? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, uh, it's a, it's not a sorcery, but a, um, I forget the name of the other class of, like, Matt. it uses the Faith skill. Mm-hmm. Um... There's a spell that's basically just Destructo Disc. Okay, if I ever play this game, I'm going to roleplay Krillin. <laughs> Minimum height in the character creator. <laughs> bald. Or not bald. I might want to play Krillin with hair. <laughs> no, I, I think at first, it, it, you, you can actually uh, freely... Once you get to a certain location, you can freely change your appearance. Oh, nice. So you might want to start bald... Because immediately as soon as you leave the uh, tutorial area, uh, there's an NPC that calls you Maidenless. Ouch. <laughs> I'm surprised you missed that one. It's a uh, big meme. Took over the internet. Alright, so I got one other question about Elden Ring. Shoot. What do you think of the title? I, don't know, I think it's a... It's a Miyazaki title. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, two words. It's Dark Souls. Demon Souls. Did he work on the Armored Core games? I don't know. I mean, Bloodborne's one word, See, but it's... That's a compound of... word. <laughs> but why wasn't it Elden Souls? I, I don't know. It's basically the same game. Like, all the, like, trappings are there. It still has the same you died screen. I, I was honestly half expecting one of the endings to be, oh shit, turns out this is a prequel! <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Alright, but... Is, is, the, is the titular Elden Ring an item in the game? Uh, Yes. Because the, the starting exposition basically tells you how the Elden Ring was shattered. Okay, okay. So that that's the motivating plot. It's the, it's the plot McGovern mm-hmm. or something. And then some of the boss, some of the like main bosses you defeat, you acquire their shard. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not, not their lie. souls. I'm not gonna lie. Their shard. When I first heard about Elden Ring, I'm like, what the hell is that? That's that's a, it's kind of not like it's an okay name. Yeah, it's it's fine. <laughs> It didn't grab me, though. And then I'm like, everyone's freaking out about this game. And then I'm like, oh, it's from the Dark Souls devs. That's why. It's a nice short name. Easy for people to say. I mean, I'm a little disappointed. Like, people always talk about the Souls games. And then when Bloodborne came out, the Soulsborne games. Now, now what are the people going to say now? The Soulsborne ring games? I don't know. I have to work Sekiro Shadows dw- Die Twice in there somehow, too. No, everybody forgot about that game because he had to parry. That that's that's why I stopped playing it. My my parry timing's garbage. That's why I dropped the shield I was using at the start of Elden Ring for a staff. <laughs> Man, I'm just thinking like I think Wind Waker had a parry mechanic, and I think pretty much all the Zelda games just like never used parries again. Well, uh, Twilight Princess had, like, the shield bump to, like, reflect projectiles back. That's a parry. Yeah, that's, no. But, it, like, it had a straight-up, just sword parry. Mm-hmm. I think Skyward Sword had a parry, too. Really? I don't remember that game very well, to be honest. Anyway. Um, but yeah. 
Elden Ring is a title. It's yeah. okay. But let's talk about what makes game titles good and what makes them bad. Yeah. And, like, some, there's some games that just, like, when I see the title, it grabs me and it intrigues me. One of the games that I played specifically, that I bought specifically because of its title, really, like, I wouldn't have looked into what this game was if it wasn't for the title, was the Caligula Effect Overdose. <laughs> like, that's such a weird name. It's just like, okay, I know who Caligula was, and he was insane. <laughs> uh, so, like, what's this anime-ass game? Let's check this out. And not only did it grab me, but it's also a term that, like, worked really well and described the theme of the game once you knew what the term meant, uh, which is, like, the Caligula Effect is about doing the allure of doing something forbidden. Uh, so, like, you know, cool, like, psychological term that describes the theme. Like, another game that I think does that well is Persona. I think Persona is a great game title uh, because a lot of those games pretty much have to do with these, you know, young teens kind of discovering themselves and dealing with their problems. And especially in Persona 4, like, it's all about accepting yourself, accepting who you really are instead of who you are like projecting to everybody else. Who, what you project to other people is your persona, right? So, yeah, I think that's that's yeah. a good game title. Like game titles that like describe the theme of the game and aren't too too obscure <laughs> are pretty good. Yeah, yeah, especially like I think there's something to be said for game titles that uh, are sort of you know, specifically evoking some sort of shared uh, reference, whether it's historical, whether it's, um, you know, some sort of uh, poetic kind of trope, or, you know, in this case, psychological term effect. Uh, like, one game that I really liked the name of, was, and actually I liked the game too, uh, was From Dust. And mm -hmm. now... If you haven't heard of From Dust, From Dust is sort of a god game where you manipulate the terrain, and there's like a little tribe of people, but you can't tell the people what to do or really control them in any way. All you can do is manipulate the environment, and your goal is to try and manipulate the environment to help them, you know, get to the end of the level and succeed on their spiritual journey or something. And, you know, the title itself is evoking this sort of... Um, uh, it's actually a there's a passage there's a few passages uh, in the Bible that use dust as their sort of uh, metaphor for uh, what's going on in passages like and the funny thing is like in my mind it's like from dust to from dust to dust you know ash to ash something 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 although I don't think that's actually in the Bible at all <laughs> uh, the actual passages in Genesis are totally like totally different so it's funny because it's 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 a you know a cultural allegory that has just been mutated because it's been used for so long that it's in mm -hmm. it's been it's literally changed uh from its actual reference into a more modern form and the title riffs on it and it makes perfect sense you know it's a god game it's riffing on these you know you know western biblical allegories of, of you know christianity it's not Christian at all. Like, if anything, it's much more um, primal, pantheon, tribalistic in mm -hmm. terms of its spirituality. But, like, the title 
I like the title. The title works really well because of its sort of allegory and metaphor. Yeah, and like a mark of a good game title, I think, is that I have not played From Dust. I've not seen From Dust. I only heard about From Dust a little bit and what the game was about. But when you said From Dust, I immediately remembered what that game was. Like, it was like, oh, what's that game? It's like, oh, that game. Yeah. So, like, if a game title can make you remember what the game was, having, like, barely <laughs> learned anything about the game 10 years later or whatever, that's a good game title. Yeah. Actually, uh, another thing that the game title does, and I wish I could remember the name of this, but in terms of, like, metaphors, if you have a common sort of phrase or uh, turn, uh, like, you know, literary term, and you only do part of it, and you make the listener or reader fill in the rest of it, mm. it actually makes it way more memorable. And I literally, I learned a term about this in an English class, and I've completely forgotten it. So that shows you how prepared I am. Clearly that term would not be a good video game title. It wouldn't be. It sure wouldn't be. But, you know, that's another reason why it works so well, is that it it only partially fills in this cultural reference. Mm -hmm. So, one example of that, by, of taking, like, kind of older, an older word or concept and applying it to your game code, I think actually, like, is not going to work out very well. Uh, it's a game that's not actually out yet, but uh, Forspoken. Now, do either of you know what that game is? Nope. I, I I know the name, but I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, it was shown in a couple like of like the Game Awards or like the Sony stuff. Well, it's it's uh it's a game by Square Enix about uh this uh what was this the isekai one? Yeah, lady in New York gets isekai and starts casting spells or whatever. But like, what does Forspoken mean? What do you think that means? Do you know what the word actually means? Or do you, can, can you just like guess as to what it might mean? Uh, it's, I'm, I mean, I feel like it's, it's sort of like a prophecy. Like you're thinking like foretold, for example. Kind of, yeah. Absolutely couldn't be farther from the truth. <laughs> Forspoken is the past participle of the word for speak, which is Old English for to bewitch or cast a spell on. Who in their right mind in 2022 is going to know what that actually means? I didn't know what it meant. Neither you knew what it meant. <laughs> and it sounds, like you said, kind of like foretold, so that might be like, okay, what people might think was. That's what I thought it might have meant. It's like, oh, it's a weird way of saying foretold. But no, it's this weird Old English maybe scottish thing from way back when so it's just like i don't like that game title one bit i think it's comp it's just like weirdly not it doesn't really fit and like i don't think it's going to be very memorable yeah so like i think this is kind of a good example of if it it's trying to do something similar where it's trying to use this sort of maybe cultural like it's trying to reference some older term that that makes it sound cool, but they just, it fell on its face because it's not recognizable. Yeah, it's, it sounds like somebody picked up a, a thesaurus. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, 
spell casting. A lot of games already have some kind of like spell in their name. How, how, what other word can we use? Oh, this one. So yeah, I don't think that works at all. If you've got to be an English major to know the name, to understand the name of a game, not a good, not a good name. No. And that game being put out by uh, Square Enix. Square Enix has another uh, game title that I think is really terrible. Final Fantasy. <laughs> Final <laughs> Fantasy is self-parody at this point. It worked for the first one. But now... Which was supposed to be the Final Fantasy. Like, I've looked it up. There are, like, 140 Final Fantasy games. Okay? And even if you strip out all the, like, subtitles and side stories and remakes and all that, they're still putting out Final Fantasy 16, like, this year or next year or whatever. Like, that, it's self-parody at this point. <laughs> it, ugh. I love those games, but that title is a silly. It really is. And I, I mean, everyone knows it. Uh, yeah. Just going on another example of a, a title I really liked because of the way it uh, riffs on a common turn of phrase. Uh, the game Hell is Other Demons. <laughs> okay. Right? I haven't actually played it yet. Uh, I think I got it free on the Epic Store, but I really want to play it, mostly just because it's got such a good name. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also, it's like an action platformer, roguelite, looks Metroidvania-esque, ash-esque-esque. <laughs> so it's like 50% of the games that they've given out for free on the Epic Store. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I don't know. It, look, it, it looked cool, and uh, but mostly... I just love that name. And, you know, Hell is Other People is such a well-known phrase. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, yeah, just replace people with demons. Done. <laughs> yeah, like... Also, like, it implies that you're a demon fighting other demons, which I think is actually, like, the plot. So, yeah. yeah. Like, ri that's awesome. And yeah, like, riffing on uh, common phrases... Uh, is great, especially when you do it like in a pun way. Like another title that I love is "Enter the Gungeon." That's a yeah. great title. Yeah, it's so good. You play as a bullet. <laughs> yeah, and you shoot other like bullets. I mean, to be fair, you got to unlock the bullet. Okay, fair. It's actually quite difficult to unlock the bullet character, hmm. but you can play as a bullet that is armed with a bullet that shoots guns, but shoots bullets. Yeah, and <laughs> and. Even like beyond the whole gun stuff, like enter, enter the gun, like enter the dungeon, like you're entering the unknown. This is a roguelite, right? So <laughs> yeah, it's a roguelite. I haven't played it yet, but it's I mean, just like I love the title. I mean, I've probably put fifty hours into that game. It's it's really fun. It's got co-op. It's a good yeah. You want a co-op top-down roguelite shooter? Enter the dungeon is probably one of the better best better ones out there. Nice. Probably one of the best, actually, that I've played in that particular sub-niche. <laughs> one entire class of games that has that I think have bad titles now but didn't then is every single game released on the NES that starts with Super. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just confusing. And the worst being Super C, which is Contra 2. Oh. That's a, that name now is just like... Completely confused me because I'm like, I hear Super C. I, I instantly think that's a Super Nintendo game. Same with like Super Dodgeball. 
I mean, you can't forget the absolute titan of any of the NES library, Super Mario Bros. I mean, that gets by just by the fact that they've used Super from then on as well. But Super C, like, there's a I know there's a Contra game for the Super Nintendo. I don't think it has Super in front of it. I think it's just Contra Three or whatever. <laughs> so that that's just confusing, man. Yeah. Um, another another game that I I really like the title of is uh, Killing Floor, mm. and I mean I like it because it's it's doing a few different things at once. Like on the one hand, Killing Floor, I feel like Killing Floor actually is. Uh, a term of some variety, maybe not like in any like serious capacity, but I swear that, and I looked this up and there's actually, a, there's a variety of other media that has used killing floor as titles. Mm. Like there's blues jazz from the sixties. Apparently there's a song named killing floor. There's like a, a novel from the nineties named killing floor. Like mm. quite a bit of a surprising number of things have been named killing floor, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, it's such a great title. And I think also for it goes back a little bit to evoking a known phrase, and I think it is kind of similar to cutting floor. Yeah, that's that's what I I thought like the cutting room floor. Exactly, you know. And the thing is that killing floor is so it's a wave zombie shooter. Uh, I would say it's probably one of the best examples of the genre. It's extremely fun and replayable, and it's a very cinematic uh, shooter, really. Uh, it's just like it's all just like crazy slow-mo and gore and like you know boss enemies come in and it's just like doing these like short kind of intro cutscenes and like it's definitely trying to be a bit more cinematic in its presentation mm-hmm. and which you know which kind of goes with that you know cutting room floor sort of yeah. uh, reference yeah. and it's also evoking like the kind of like game show death sport kind of thing because you're in this your characters are you know in this area killing a bunch of zombies to earn that doche yeah to earn money so it's evoking something that's a common trope in cinema yeah and it's totally like over the top i mean the, I, I love the voiceover in killing floor because the characters yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't know that the characters are in a hellish post-apocalypse they're just like they're just throwing off banter like making fun of the zombies, sometimes each other. Like it's, it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, but yeah, maybe I want to talk about like a, a category of titles that I like, and then the opposite. Okay, that I don't like. Okay, the category I like: one-word titles. Mm, okay, and I think there is a lot of there are a lot of games with single-word titles that are just really good titles. The only problem here is that. Once a game takes it, it's done, right? So, like, Transistor, Hades, Bastion. You'll notice a theme. Pyre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also, you know, uh, a couple other really, like, Crawl. I like Crawl. Crawl's a fun one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for a recent release that I haven't played yet, Tunic. I mean, Tunic is a Zelda-ish game. And I'd say Link is probably the most iconic video game character that wears a tunic. Yeah. And so calling your Zelda Zelda ripoff like tunic is like, yeah, that's a that works, right? 
they're not all winners. Uh, I think it really depends a lot on the single normal word that you choose. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of games where it works really well to just have a single word title. I don't know if you say. Yeah, uh, I've got a couple here that are single word titles that I really did like. Um, so Audio Surf. That's just what okay, you do in yeah. that game. Yeah, Audio Surf. I have Audio Surf on here too. Yeah, because Audio Surf is an incredible name. Um, Audio Surf is a compound word. When I said one word, I was thinking more just like normal words you'd find in a dictionary, I guess. Okay. Not like new compound words or or new constructions, but fair enough. Yeah. You know, although there's sort of another derivative, which is uh, you know the innovative portmanteau. <laughs> Port- portmanteau. I don't know how to. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce that word. Where you know you just try to coin a new word as your title. Um, like there's uh, a few I put in there, like. Starwall. Starwall is a game where you play narwhals in space. I think that I think that name does that game does have a subtitle though. Uh, it, it used to. Oh, <laughs> okay. They they took, got rid of it to make it a little more family friendly because remember it was Starwall just the tip. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're like you know another sort of compound single word thing depending on how you look at it, Frostpunk. I really... Mm, at this point, you can't put punk in your game title. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean... Even before Cyberpunk, I, did, I didn't like... I didn't like that idea, because I've heard of Frostpunk I mean, for a while. Yeah, it's it's actually a bit older now. I think, it's, I think it was 2016 or something. Although, I think it was also in early access for quite a while, yeah. which is probably messing with my... Uh, messes with our, all all our release schedules and release dates. Yeah, super hot. That's one more. All That's except a word. All, yeah, it's a compound <laughs> word. Yeah. So yeah, coming up with like a short compound word or kind of novel word. Yeah. Definitely a, like another one I really like is Subnautica. Mm, That's a good one. Like it's really good because it it perfectly manages to convey that this is a game. It's underwater. Okay. Sub. It's sub. You know, nautical, obviously, is oceanic. But then you've also got, uh, you know, you've, like, you've got submarines in this game. You can, you can make submarines. And that, like, it's, it's an underwater ocean game where you make submarines and explore the ocean. Subnautica. It's perfect. Yeah, but the one problem with it is that because there's a game now called Subnautica, it's taking away the space for my perfect nautical-themed BDSM game. <laughs> I want, I want Subnautica. Uh, it's all about leather harnesses on sharks. Oh, God. I I could probably find some images very easily <laughs> of that. Probably, you probably could. Mm-hmm. You probably could, yeah. Uh, one, one, um, uh, one word title that I really like that's... This is an example of just like naming your game after just something that's in the game. And maybe it didn't exist before, but Metroid. I yeah, really yeah. like Metroid. Yeah, Metroid's an, yeah, Metroid's a great name. Because like once you find out like what the Metroids are and what they do in that universe, like that's an extremely evocative title for what that game is. It's just like these fucking brain suckers <laughs> that are going around and it's a game about, you know, being isolated and kind of like tense and suspenseful and hey, guess what? Weird like claw jellyfish latching onto your head and that's terrifying. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So, like, it's named after, like, this big threat 
and that game is very threatening. <laughs> you had to draw your own map in that game. <laughs> yeah, the first one. Uh, I'm glad I played the GBA remake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, the first Metroid was... Yeah, trying to play it, the NES version, I would not recommend it <laughs> these days. I- incredible at the time, no map. Did not age well. <laughs> it, no, it really didn't. So, Alex, you brought up that there's also a category of game titles that you don't like. Yeah, category of game titles I don't like. The opposite, which is game titles that are just way too fucking long. And this is, hmm. like, I think I, I will give a caveat there, a uh, caveat here, which is that if you make a really long game title, it can wrap around in an ironic way to, like, maybe be, like, kind of funny. Yes. But you can fail at that. This is a great example that came out recently. Uh, Near Replicant version 1.22474487139. That's a long number. That is a very long number. I've seen, I've seen like version numbers of software shorter than that. Yep. Full <laughs> version numbers with the daily dev release. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like another another couple like. I think I saw these on my Epic store, and I think that they're actually fairly well-known puzzle games, like the, the Vanishing of Ethan Carter and the Remains of Edith Finch, and I'm like, these are, they're okay, they kind of imply mystery, I guess, but I don't really like them. Yeah, those titles, like, I don't really know too much about what those games are about, because, like, those titles just really didn't grab me. No. Like, they, I mean, to me, they sound pretentious, I might, that's probably a being mean, but I no, I think that those games do like they do feel like they're sort of going for this sort of like serious like puzzle-esque point-and-click mystery type of niche. I think I haven't like played them. serious in the game. I don't know. Yeah, but then again, I have seen a little bit of what remains of Edith Finch, and it does involve a shark rolling down a mountain. So I'm not entirely <laughs> sure what that game is. Okay, that I mean, <laughs> see, that sounds awesome. The title conveys nothing that would make me want to. But it also that. has like a child narrating it, and I I don't know what's going on. Okay, I, it's, I, it's probably about depression. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, um, another example, kind of in this uh, in this niche, is on the rain slick precipice of darkness. Now the thing is, I think this is one where arguably it, it it's attempting to wrap around to be funny because the game is is uh, it is made by the uh, Penny Arcade. Right. Creators. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it is. It is a. Uh, it is a. It is a, sat- a satirical sort of take on uh, mm-hmm. point and click adventure RPGs. Yeah. Like. Okay. That works if you know who Penny Arcade is. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, though. <laughs> that only works if you know who Penny Arcade is, and that's. I think you know at least when the first game in that series came out. I think that's kind of what a lot of the coverage focused on. But they actually kept going. I think they made like. At least they made a few. They, yeah, they made at least four of them. I only played the first two, but they also had they started to get long subtitles in addition to. So it'd be like on the rain's like precipice of darkness episode three, blah 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 blah. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> if you don't actually know that it's it's a satirical sort of take on on that genre, you're just like not even gonna look past the ridiculous title. Almost sounds like it's getting into fighting game name territory. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, fighting game names. That's oh boy. Yeah, and again, almost all bad. <laughs> they're they are mostly bad for this reason that they're absurd. They're just long, <laughs> and sometimes it's funny, but it's also just bad. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think there's 
probably a lot more examples of like just really long titles that don't do the game any favors. One title that I think does do the game a favor, though, is Ogre Battle March of the Black Queen. Because that's two Queen songs, and that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least it has a reason to be long there. Absolutely. Another title that I really do like, it's also one word, though it is compound, Wargroove. Wargroove's a good title. Because, like, it's got war in it, so you know it's, like, a, you know, a war game, probably, you know, tactical or strategic or something like that. But it's also, you can groove to it. Like, Groove is such a non-threatening, just, like, not intense at all word. Like, a completely, like, you're not going to get a gritty, realistic, modern military shooter called Wargroove. That's, that couldn't possibly exist. Yeah. But Wargroove, it tells you exactly what you need to know about the game and the yeah. tone of it. Yeah, and I mean, the tone of that game, it's got a, it's got a dog commanding a military. It's great. It's amazing. Like, yeah, that is a good title that fits the aesthetic very well. Mm -hmm. One I like that is simple, funny, and describes exactly what the game is about is Mount Your Friends. Yes. Yeah, I have Mount, I have Mount Your Friends on this list, too, because it's... I think that if you can work... An, a, if you can work a funny innuendo into your title that is also a literal description of the gameplay, that... You just gotta go for it. Yeah, like, that is the perfect title for that game. No game could be called Mount Your Friends and have a better, like, intertwined title. And no game titled Mount Your Friends could be any better than what that game actually is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for those who are unaware, Mount Your Friends is an incredible, awkward control... It's a competitive uh, physics game. It, it started as an Xbox Live indie game. That tells you a lot. Yeah. But it's the, like the most quality thing to come out of there. That and Super Amazing Wagon Adventure. Yes. Yeah. If you if you like if you like couch co-op games, you have to try mount your friends with your friends so you can mount them. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm not as big of a fan of the the follow-up sequel. Mount Your Friends 3D, A Hard Man is Good to Climb. I do, like, the title's funny, I just don't like the game as much, unfortunately. Yeah. The title's great. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes me sad that they removed just the tip from the nor from Narwhal. Eh, Starwall. <laughs> or Starwall. <laughs> okay, so, there's a couple categories of games that do, that do irk me when they do this to their title. The first being, every game that's just the name of the franchise again, where, when they reboot it. Because yeah. it, it just, it's not really that inspired. It just, like, shines a light on how there's no new IP ever. Uh, and it, it, it can cause ambiguity, too. Like, if I tell you, you know what's a game soundtrack I love? Doom. <laughs> what am I talking about? Because, am I talking about the 2016 one? Or the old, or the old shareware version one? They both have great soundtracks. But... You don't know by just me telling you that. So the franchise my head goes to right away with this is DMC. Oh boy, yeah. And they went the edgy route with that. Yeah. <laughs> Not and only in the character redesign, but the name. Oh, it's is just that the only now. series to get unbooted? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great term for that. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> But, like, a lot of games do this. Like, you know, Tomb Raider did it. 
Star Wars Battlefront did. That pissed me off yeah, super hard. Oh yeah. One thing that I've been I've been really annoyed is uh, is Prey because at this point Prey, the newer one, is a five year old game, and Prey, the older one, is like a sixteen or eight, eighteen year old game. I've heard people say Prey is good, but I'm not sure which one they're talking about at all because yeah. they're both old games by now, like relatively. Yeah. And- if you have to and slap I swear there was year. a third game named Prey. Also, there's a Michael Crichton book named Prey, I think. If you have to slap the year onto the title of the game you're talking about to... Uh, and it's not a sports game. And it's not a sports game to but, differentiate. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not something I like. And another category of games. Games that don't have an article at the start of the name, even though it sounds like they really should. Uh, so Outer Wilds. I really think that game should be called The Outer Wilds. Because I, every seen, time I talk about it, I want to say The the Outer Wilds. I think there's just already enough confusion with The Outer Worlds. Yeah, but like those games came out at the same time. Who know, like Who knows when their titles were solidified. Games take a long time in development. So like, I don't know if one influenced the other, but I mean, The Outer Wilds is the better game. As, damn, see, I just did Yeah, uh, right? It sounds, <sighs> it, it flows a lot better, I think. Because yeah. it's describing, like, a th- like, Outer Wilds describes a thing. Like, a, like a place, really. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I kind of agree. It does really seem like there should be a the in that title. I think a great unintentional name is just cause. Yes, actually, because that like kind of yeah. With how crazy the mechanics of those games have gone as it's gone on, I think it's up to is it for the latest or yes. was there four? Four. Um, and being able to also just call it just cause. Yeah, because that's like <laughs> like that game, like the first game and the second game. I don't know about the rest of them. Is kind of like about revol- like revolutionary. You know, fighting for a just cause. But two got so crazy that, like, why are you blowing all that stuff up? Just cause. Just cause. It, it works on multiple levels. Yeah. It's like the. Yeah, it's hey, like, hey, devs, why did you put these, like, like ridiculous game mechanics in? Just cause. Yeah. And, and the shit you can do has just gotten even crazier since yeah. two. Yeah, it's, it's like the short story, the most dangerous game. Multiple meanings. Yeah. Yeah, you always gotta get those, those multiple meanings in your mm-hmm. title if, if you can. It's, it's really good. Here, here's okay. Speaking of multiple meanings, I think Gears of War is a good title because it's pretty evocative. You know, the Gears of War. The soldiers in the game are called co- the Cog Soldiers, which that's an acronym. But like Coalition the Cog governments, yeah, the Cog in the Gears of yeah. the War. Yeah, Cog in the machine. The know. problem is that God of War already existed, and they have the same acronym. And I've gotten confused when people just type in G small O W. Like, are they talking about God of War, Gears of War? Yeah. I get that too with Titanfall 2 and Team Fortress 2. Yeah, it's just TF2. Yep. I mean, that's, that's more gonna be Team Fortress 2 to me. Just cause it's like been so much of the bigger game. And also I haven't played Titanfall 2. But yeah, like I could see confusion there too. I thought there was another game that people are calling TF2 as well. Well, no, TFT, Team Fight Tactics. That's probably what you're thinking of. I don't know. Anyway. I, it's the just thing like, is, there's only so many three-letter abbreviations out there. They're all used by now for something. 
Yeah. But it's just like it's it's not like, you know, I don't honestly an indie I don't game blame, you said. These blame, are both hugely profile games. Yeah, you know, I don't blame the devs on that. I blame I blame the users for being lazy and trying to abbreviate when they should. Well, we are, we're English speakers. We abbreviate everything. We need to shorten every single word to the smallest possible. Yeah. Anyway, I, I want to talk about a bad title here. Okay. Okay. So there's a game called English Country Tune. Okay. All right. Have either of you heard of it? No. no. What do you think that game is? <sighs> I don't know. A marching band simulator? <laughs> like, okay. like English Country Tune for me like makes me think of traveling for some reason. Okay. But what, what, what kind of aesthetic, you know, does it bring to mind? Bright green rolling hills. Right. Okay. So what if I told you uh, that uh, this is an abstract puzzle game? With geometric blocks. Geometric cubes in, like, multicolor. Bright, just, like, you know, pinks and cyans and yellows. And I would say that whoever named that game shouldn't name games anymore. Yeah, like, here. I'll, I'll show you a picture of, of uh, some screenshots from the game. It, that, even if it's musical... At, at all, which it doesn't seem like it is, that's still, like, why English country? Yeah, I have no idea. They're completely unrelated. Like, I've actually seen some trailers for this game, and it seems like it has some interesting puzzle mechanics. But the title is just one of the worst I've ever seen, because it is wholly divorced. It's a complete non-sequitur. Yeah, it's, it, there's no relation to the game whatsoever, as far as I can tell. So, don't do that. Absolutely. Your game title needs to refer to something in the game, goddammit. Like, okay, Fire Emblem is kind of an interesting one, because all these games take place in different universes, yet have the title Fire Emblem. So, like, you have to intertwine and link all these games by the title. You have to, you know, what does that title mean for all the games? And what they do, which I think is kind of interesting, is that the Fire Emblem is just a different MacGuffin in every game. Where it's usually just like some sort of, maybe it's like a gemstone, or what, it's a shield, or it's a literal brand on a person, on a person's skin. So it's just like all these different like MacGuffins that use the t name Fire Emblem. It's gotten to the point where, okay, start a new Fire Emblem game. What's the MacGuffin? <laughs> What's going to be called the Fire Emblem? I don't know. And a bunch of subtitles on it. So it's just like, it's better than Final Fantasy. Because <laughs> it actually refers <laughs> to something in the game. If they're going to make, you know... 16 games with the same, you know, series title. Ac they can actually refer to it. Right, I've got a couple more that I want to talk about. One of which is Slime Rancher. This is one of the worst titles ever. Because, okay. Because it, it, it evokes Monster Rancher. And it's not a, it's not a raising sim, really. It's, you just go around with a vacuum and capture slimes and put them in pens. And it's just like kind of a chill-ass time. No. If you put rancher in the thing, I want numbers, damn it. I want <laughs> I want numbers and fighting. Like when I heard the t game the name Slime Rancher, I thought, "Oh my god, what's this? this it's got to be like a spiritual successor because they haven't made a Monster Rancher game in fucking forever." No. No. Slime Rancher, you lied to me. I don't blame the devs. Okay. <laughs> it's 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 fine, but yeah. that that's a me problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, that brings up like another another sort of uh, interesting category for titles though which is trying to evoke popular 
titles in the genre, right? Yeah. Like, so if you're making a game that is like Monster Rancher, putting Rancher in the name might not be a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a game that I've actually uh, been looking at that I'm sort of interested in called Monster Sanctuary. Yeah. Guess what that game looks like? Magic the Gathering. Uh, no, it looks looks like a Monster Rancher with uh, 2D platforming elements to go capture monsters. Oh. Oh, I'm I'm thinking of Monster Train. Oh, that, that's no. that's like that's a you know card card PG or yeah. whatever. Yeah, no, no, and again, you know, there, I haven't played. There's also that other monster game. God damn it! What Monster Hunter? Monster Hunter, but I don't think you capture monsters in that one, do you? No, you, you can. You do? Okay. Yeah, you, you mostly s- kill. But you, you skin them and wear them <laughs> for the fashion. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that that's that's totally a valid thing. Especially, you know, if you're making sort of a smaller indie game, like it's a common common title pattern is to try and riff on mm-hmm. the games that your your game is similar yeah, to, like Super Meat Boy. Yeah, that's a platformer. Everybody knows that's a platformer. That's the only type of game that could be. Uh, another another platformer, Super Crate Box. <laughs> God damn it! See, that's a platformer where you get guns out of crates. Another platformer with a great name, Walk a Melee. That sounds like a fighting game. Is it? Is it? Do you at least brawl? It, it, it's a Metroidvania with uh, yeah. That you do up close uh, melee combat. Yeah, it's Lucha Mania. Yeah, it's Lucha Mania. Yeah, I have se- yeah, I've seen some some pictures. <laughs> and let's see, the last game I got on my list that I want to bring up is called Blades of Steel. Oh, that's an incredible, incredible title. It's a hockey game for I, this NES. I do, know, I do know that it's a hockey game, and I still love that title. <laughs> it's kind of funny, though, because Blades of Steel kind of evokes, like, like Bushido Blade, like kind of like a samurai or like a sword fighting game. But no, Blades of Steel, on I mean, your feet, I mean, I, I skating around. I that game's like awesome. I, I love that game. I kind of like it, though, because mm-hmm. it is literal, and it, it's, it's sort of like, it gives you sort of maybe a mood that they're going for, I think. Yes, and that mood is fighting. Yeah. Because that game had fighting in it, and that was awesome. It's hockey. It, did the other early hockey games have fighting? I don't think they did. I I never played ice hockey for the NES, which was its contemporary. So I, I, had it. I had it. I don't remember ever playing it, though. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, one last game title I want to talk about, and frankly, I, I don't think I... I can't really... I don't see how to like slot this into other things we've talked about, but Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. That I mean, yeah, that... that that's kind of like, you know, Enter the Gun, like riffing on an established thing, Lovers in a Dangerous Time, very famous song. Yeah, I suppose that's a good point. Yeah, it is kind of riffing on some things. And then also it's a co-op forward game, and mm-hmm. so, and you're in space with your spaceship. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous, because otherwise, why would you play the game? Absolutely. Uh, but I like it. Fun. It's a fun, ti- it's a fun title for a fun sort of, you know, Brightly colored, silly game. Yeah, and it gets it gets around like the long title thing by being based off something else, and yeah. it works. And it's not too long. Yeah. Now, if they release a sequel with a subtitle, that yeah, that, if, if if they had a long subtitle, it would be getting too big. Yeah. One one I want to mention that I, I it, it's a rather unfortunate subtitle to have, especially when it releases in the state it does. Halo Infinite. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. It's not infinite. It really is not infinite. I, uh, 
I, I the would, only thing infinite about it is my disappointment. <laughs> yeah, Halo 3 uh, was more infinite than Halo Infinite. Halo Reach, the prequel, was more infinite. Launching I mean, without Forge mode? Big mistake. Yeah, launching without co-op campaign? Ugh. Big mistake. We, we, Both we, of those uh, coming in Season 2, which still starts next week, I think. Yeah. But Who cares? It's also supposed to be another six-month season. We've heard our grievances about that game. It's not, it's not like Halo Combat Evolves. But, or Halo well, Curse Edition. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they have said that cross-armor core customization is coming. <laughs> so that opens that the possibilities up for that a bit more. Yes, we have decided to let the plebeians choose the bits that the AI bots already have access to. Yep. God damn it. No, seriously, the cross-core, yeah. it's already there on random bots. Yeah, so funny. Like, it's literally in the game, and they just disabled it. And, and the bots even include the special uh, the special core, like that samurai-themed armor one, but apparently players aren't going to have access to those, at least at the start. <laughs> <sighs> what are they doing? Again, that game has zero direction. Zero direction. Yeah. Well, after this discussion, uh, I think we're going to have to figure out what to title this podcast which you should already know since you are listening to it right now. That's right. And if you'd like to view other things that we have titled, you can check out any of the videos on our YouTube channel, which we got gameplay, we got some random tier lists and stuff. We might have a very special series coming out in the near future. Yeah, and uh, we've also we've got a Twitch channel, which we stream on without a clear schedule. <laughs> I keep saying I'm going to start streaming regularly, and hopefully now we'll, I'll actually stick to it. But, but yeah. if you ever want, but you know, because we don't have a properly defined schedule, the best way to know when we're streaming is to follow us on Twitch so you can get that notification. So go do that. Or possibly our Twitter, which we sometimes post updates to on when we stream. Absolutely. And if you've got any great or terrible or interesting game titles that you have opinions about, you can always send it to us at angrysunzone at outlook.com or again, slide into our DMs on Twitter. They are open. Now let's go to the driving ring range and hit some title lists. Huh? Uh, huh? Uh, <laughs> channeling Sean today, I see. Uh, somebody asked to. <laughs>